This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. On this episode, we continue our very engaging conversation with Cleveland Cleavy Brownie, musician, producer, and creative entrepreneur. Actually, around about the time when I joined the in crowd, I was not full member as yet with the Generation Gap and 12 Tribes Band when I joined the in crowd. Um, and still at that same time, was touring with Roots Radix. And he also was gathering momentum in terms of knowledge and so yeah. on, experiencing the road and studio recordings and so Well, you have been working together before, so you start working from 74. So when do you come together and say, all right, this is it. Steely and Cleave is born, no more studio and band, no more Roots Radix. All right, Steely used to come to my house and heard me practicing over the years. But I didn't know that he was also taking note of the songs that I liked. You know, I, I used to love Treasure Isle, as old as Treasure Isle, and Studio One music yeah. when it comes to listening to reggae. You know, those were, and, and later on, Channel One, which I have to take my hat off, no hat here, but to Slide On Bar, which was amazing. Um, my, I'll call him my mentor when it comes to rhythm patterns and sounds yeah because it's more than just rhythms it's yeah. choice of sounds and is um being on the cutting edge of technology he was the first i found using like um electronic drums simon's drums yeah man simon's as well as some other you know yeah electronic drums and so on and it blew my mind when i heard those things and draw drew my attention to the electronics in percussive, electronical, you know, percussive equipment. And that led me to also discovering drum machines, mm. which is what really, you know, helped to yeah. make Steel and Cleave the household name today. So you say, when, so when the, are you officially Steel and Cleave? All right. In the, um, say about 1983, 84, Steely did some tours with Freddie McGregor as well when he wasn't um, touring with Roots Radix as much. And um, during that time, I was buying drum machine chips and we call EPROMs that make the different sounds and all that. Because prior to Steely and Cleavy, I used to lend the machine to Danny Brownie who used those, that same machine on Bloodfire Posse songs, the early Bloodfire Posse recordings, Get Flat and so yeah. on. Was that, the same drum machine. That's, that's interesting because I thought it was a, a Roland 8082 that did those songs. And I never knew it was O'Brien. Yes. The very first song, though, was Roland, uh, Robert yeah. Up Soldier. Yeah, yeah, because it had that 808. Yeah, so, that so. was well, Robert Up Soldier, which yeah, that yeah. machine belonged to Judy Moat. Wow. <laughs> but I played on that first recording with Bloodfire Posse yeah. um, with the, the military drum at the beginning of Robert Up Soldier. Yeah. 
not having enough money, of course, we, we booked um, Creative Sound Studio. Never went big studio at the time. So yeah, later yeah. on, when Bloodfire was signed to CBS, the song was re-recorded in 24-track studio, put it that way. You know, better quality and all that. But at that time, Carl Ayton had taken over as the drummer. You know, Carl Ayton. Because I was um, still with Freddie McGregor. Didn't yeah. want to be on anymore. So still, you know, and having identified that, we had very similar tastes. And I accepted the electronics, the computer-driven equipment. Still say, you know, um, somebody want me to do some dub plate rhythms, a song called Black Star. I'm saying, follow me go up, Augustone. Them time I don't know where name Augustone, but just trusted him and said, all right, you know, jump and steal the bike. Drum machine under my arm, the keyboard under the other arm, and up Hope Road, and you know, went to Augustown. And um, we did several rhythms actually for um, Black Star Sound System, which are some of the same rhythms we took to King Jammies. Mm-hmm. But when we did those rhythms, they were recorded on cassette, and then he made the dub plates, you know, playing the, the rhythm from the cassette. And the artist voicing, then they cut the plate straight to the dub plate. But um, we heard slanting in 1985. And um, we said, but wait, other persons weren't quite interested in what we were doing. But having heard Jamie's venture there, we said, maybe this is the right man to approach to record this formally, to do a, a real recording of these tracks. And um, we decided one Sunday, no, one, no, it wasn't a Sunday. Steely had an excuse and said, well, you know, Jamie's also have some money for me a long time, you know, because he used to play on some of the early live recordings from, from King Jamie's. And I'm going to make a go up there, you know, and carry the cassette. Went there and Jamie's listened to the tracks and said, them sound all right. Come Sunday, I make a see what we can do now. Mm. Them sound all right. Later on, he actually admitted to me that he was blown away. Yeah. By the sound, but you know, <laughs> he just yeah, doesn't want to get us swelled it at yeah. all. Which don't know our humility already. We, yeah. we would not have been swelled it at all, but he didn't know. Yeah. You know, as we've been doing this, I was already signed to Island Records in the past. Steel was with Roots Radics, had played on numerous hits. <laughs> yeah. And, um, toured a lot and all that up at that time. So we went on the Sunday and we recorded the tracks and wow. What was the first one? Sweet reggae music, nitty gritty. Nitty gritty, yeah. Sweet reggae music. Yeah. And then Clark's booty. Yeah. And that is what made me realize uh, um, Cartel was listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Clark's booty. Yeah. yeah. Come touch a button no? All them, them song there was done at that stu- at um at session. Yeah. King Jamis. So the ideas, he was listening to some of those old school stuff. Yeah. You know? And I'm happy to see that people like Chronics, I I I have identified that they have not um disregarded their the predecessors and um where the whole thing came from. Yeah. So they remained as a part of the natural growth and transition of yeah. the music. 
apart from, sad to say, there are some today that seem to have gone off on a tangent, taken a different road, and it's hard to find their way back on the main road. You know, and um, you have to remain connected in some way and follow that natural transition of growth from where you know, we began. Yeah. I've always um, st- still admire you know, the predecessors and um, the music created from in the 50s, late 50s, from, from Calypso and Mento, Mento and yeah. you know, Ska, Rocksteady. And I believe all of those could have remained as a, a, a genre to itself, instead of some people look at it as evolution. Yeah. What other countries in the world are playing ska, for instance? So we should be writing new ska songs and yeah. help to develop that as a genre, you know, to itself. It's not gone. The other countries still have it. Still have it, um, and, and, yeah. and we still pay homage to it every now and then. Yeah, but I'm talking about, um, I, I still hear, no, I hear a yeah. few artists doing yeah. other two ska songs. Yeah, but, but I understand what you're saying, that it should be a distinctive genre with exactly. new songs. Exactly, So you new still songs. have new rock steady songs, new rock steady rhythms. Right. because rhythms. Yeah, many times uh, instrumental is done over and it's a song that was there already. Ready, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, new songs, can we read yeah. new ska songs? All right, so let's stick with the, the Steely and Cleavy at Jamis now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have done some amazing work there. Chinatown rhythm. <laughs> Punani. Uh, Agani. Uh, Big Belly Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would have there with you. Pa, 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 pa. Yeah. All them great rhythms. Oh, after after oh, that song, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so the duck, which is amazing. I made a duck so famous with that documentary. <laughs> you know, people, people still blown away by that. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, when we were doing that documentary, it was so effortless for us to, 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 to just get it done. Create. You know, and recreate it. Nice yeah. energy at the yeah. time. All right. So I'm really happy that you had done that because that's yeah. the only video we have from that time. Yeah. Apart from there are some Rockers Awards, mm-hmm. um, you know, videos out there. But thank you very much for that, sir. I must say that, thank you. It has, become a, it has become a classic in terms yes, of yes. Yeah, and then, <laughs> I tell you, you know, back in those days, you know, I because I grew up in the music, everything that I do is basically about the music from, from university, all of my research papers in sociology and, and research method is always about the music. So when I was at JBC at the time, the, uh, the great Don Buckner, my good friend, God rest his soul, he had a saying that all you want to tell me about is bunny rocks, basically saying that <laughs> what I wanted to do was reggae and dancehall and that sort of thing. But uh, back to the rhythms, um, which, 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 we know that if there are two rhythms out of the jammies table, I'd say three. But in order of, of importance, it would be slinting, which was before you. Then it was punani. Yes. And then I'd say, I'd give duck the third, the third, the, the third, as the two, two, three of the most important rhythms that come out of that era. Which one of those rhythms were you would consider you, you, your, you guys best or your favorite? What a question. <laughs> <laughs> You see, they are all important, you know. 
yeah. being that the very first one there, Sweet Reggae Music, yeah. entered the British charts, yeah. which is what brought us confidence that what we were doing is, could work. Yeah. You know, because we were stepping into uncharted. Sweet Reggae Music was nitty gritty, right? Nitty gritty. Yeah. Right. So that being the first that had um, actually brought us that, you know, thing. then the next one, Punani, yeah. of course. Um, well, maybe it's not in that order of importance. Yeah. As I said, they are all important, but yeah. for different reasons. Punani, I think, laid the foundation for dancehall, that rhythm pattern. Yeah. It was the, the base, the the, the, the fundamental pattern yeah. for dancehall when we started moving from the one drop to yeah so right and that then, well. <laughs> then um which was the third one you mentioned uh, doc 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 was the yeah. turning point now yeah. where a new rhythmic pattern mm. was brought into place again another pattern which led the evolution for the pattern which became reggaeton. Yeah, yeah. So Doc was before, but yeah. it had elements yeah. of what became. became of course, we added the timbales and yeah. dembo rhythm, you know, yeah. and, and um, other things that gave which, it that unique. Which was the, which the original name of the rhythm was the Pokemon Jump Rhythm. No, it was called Fish Market, you know. Wow. I, well, I always call it the Pokemon Jump Rhythm. Well, Pokemon Jump. Jump, yeah. Jump. Yeah. Yeah, because um, uh, that was one of the first songs voiced on the rhythm. Yeah. You know, people just knew it as that. So some persons call it that, but the, the registered the name, yeah. the actual registered name, yeah. as an instrumental, right. the fish market. So but also, Dembo, yeah. Kung Kung is the yeah. same exact rhythm. Mm -hmm. Dembo, yeah. because Bobby Digital recorded Shabarang's Dembo, but he recorded it on my exact same rhythm. Yeah. A lot of misconceptions are out there, yeah. thinking that Bobby made the rhythm or... No, man, no. no, no I've no. heard it. Yeah. But the heard thing it. Is, like, this is something that we have to address, uh, Cleveland. In those days, and this is why it's kind of different from how the American or the British system set up, as 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 musicians and producers, people would share the rhythms. Exactly. We just share rhythms because exactly. I know I know not for your rhythms. Other producers get mm -hmm. them and vice exactly. versa. You know, well, you wouldn't get a take a man rhythm, but because you're a musician. But producers who are non-musicians used to just call a man and say, "Yo, give me a cut of your rhythm." Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and at times, so look at time is so serious. I right. Think some of the original songs, I think it's a jammy's rhythm. And, mm -hmm. and I think Bobby did some songs for himself on the rhythm. Yeah. So he, he, used, he, 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 he recorded uh, Admiral Tibet on it. And then for the, the rhythm, the rhythm, I don't remember the name of the rhythm, like Live Blanket. That Live Blanket is on. Yeah. I think it's another jammy's rhythm, but Bobby Digital recorded some songs for himself. So it end up that two producers have the same rhythm. Yeah, it does happen at times like that. Yeah. Especially though, if the rhythm wasn't what? original. Yeah. If we, for instance, made over 
a studio on track. Yeah. You know, and we're not claiming the publishing on that. You know, if another producer wants it, they yeah. might get it. Yeah. But we, we would limit yeah. how many persons get it. I'm talking about re-recording it. Yeah. For instance, um, tuning. When we did tuning at Jamis, mm. Kokoti, um, we actually re-recorded the track for Irie FM. Yeah. For the theme song, Reggae in the Morning. Yeah. Yeah, with, with Ernie Wrangling on remember, guitar. You remember, remember I sang on it. Ernie oh. Wrangling on guitar. <laughs> it, was, it was me. Ernie Wrangling on guitar, yes. Me, Clyde McKenzie. Bob uh, Clark and Katie Owen singing. Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, and, and it was Clyde Mackenzie who came up with the with, with the lyrics. Although it is the melody is not original, but right. the lyrics for it. Traditional. Is, That's is, not traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Mumami Wanfi Walker. Huh? Yeah. But 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 yeah, before that you had London Burning too. Yeah, Choo Choo. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. yeah so, so, no, the Punani rhythm. Uh, it, I think it's one of the the most popular and outstanding rhythm and, and pivotal rhythm. Yes. It is, it is what influenced you? Some I hear some some talk about it being what influenced you was 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 the calypso beat. I had, you were trying to to get the kind of energy of the soca rhythm in, in dance hall. Um, that, that wasn't really so because if you listen carefully, yeah, um, it feels different for those who cannot analyze um, rhythmically or musically. Yeah, it does make you feel different. Asoka yeah. tempo is different. Yeah, various elements that can cause one thing to be a different genre mm -hmm. from another. Um. For instance, you can have a slow um, boof buff. Um, I see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. Mm -hmm. You might have a boof, buff, boof, buff. Yeah. But if you speed that up, you can get this stop. Yeah. Boof, buff, boof, buff, buff. Same yeah. rhythmic patterns. Yeah. But tempo has a lot to do with it. The, the, the accents and, certain, and, and the swing of the groove. Mm. And we played something totally different. But the very, very first beat, though, that um, we made like that wasn't really quite Punani, you know, but it evolved into Punani. It was yeah. what the hell the police can do. Oh, yes. Yeah, that came before. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it evolved eventually into that. But what it was like we were going for Soka. When what, did what, they what no, that was more like Soka. What, what influenced you for that? for that beat because it that what the hell the police can do it spawned a, a series of rhythms by other musicians that sounded similar and in fact it um, it's amazing why i'm asking it this is because a couple of the songs like like uh they, 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 after a while a couple of the songs with that same beat a lot of the the djs and singers had soca lyrics in it because I remember this girl. She I can't remember the name of the song right now. She she's not she's not very very popular or well known. But she there she produced it was produced by Harry J. 
and everybody was copying your style. But what they were singing is about soca and all of them stuff there. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm, I don't know if, if, if it was a conscious thing on your part or it was some people realizing, hey, this kind of similar to, to, to soca, you know. I could put some lyrics, soca lyrics on it. People have to remember, you know, that in our musical journey as yeah. a, a nation, yeah. Calypso was played in Jamaica. And Calypso is Jamaica a was played in Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah. So the whole styling that people attribute to Calypso. Yeah. The vocalizing yeah. Of, of Calypso. We have that same kind of expression, you know? Yeah. Well, it's now um, Bob Wire in his hand, in, in, in underpants. Yeah. If you listen to it, you know, the way it is sung, the, 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 the swing to it. Yeah. It has some, you know, you could put a soca beat to it. Yeah. 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 It's just, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I think um, it's just a part of um, our DNA, maybe, if you can ever put it that I way. You, I'm telling you, because there's this, uh, I won't spend too much time on this. A lot of people love to say that, you know, soca music and calypso music is, is foreign to Jamaica. And it's almost like it is, it is being imposed on us by uptown people. And I'm saying, listen, before we had our popular music, Jamaicans were dancing to Calypso music. And, yeah. it was, and it has been a part of our experience, as you just said, from mm-hmm. day one. Yeah, yeah. You know? And if you, you wonder if it's African retention too. Yeah. Because in North Africa, you will hear patterns like that. You know, and the, the drums and so. Yeah. So that might have traveled <laughs> across the ocean with Come us. On. It, yeah, tra- it traveled across the black electronic one. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. traveled in our DNA, in our yeah, blood. Absolutely. <laughs> as, 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 as Vic Reed and Carolyn Cooper say, noise is in the blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, all right. So, we'll move now from the Jammies period, which was amazing. The greater, one of the greatest period in, in music, the early 80s there and then in the, the 90s. And then the 90s come around. And it's Steely and Cleavy, the label, fully blown producers doing your own thing, leave everybody behind. And remember that a lot of the rhythms of that period, while you were working with Jamis, you were still doing stuff for other producers, yes. like Redman, uh, Bobby Digital, who else? Winston Riley. Winston Riley, yeah. Photographer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did boops, right? Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, Winston yeah. Riley. Yeah. yeah. Lonely won't leave me alone. Yeah. Yes, you know, so, track, so um, we start with Steely and Cleavy now, and that is another period. Let's talk about that part now. Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, I lift my hat to Sly and Robbie mm. um, because it dawned on us that um, this was not a novel idea, which I at first was saying, oh, maybe we should officially set up our label and all that. But then I said, well, Sly and Robbie did it. So why not? You know? And um, we saw that the sound we had together was good. And we had numerous successes with um, the, the, the releases from various producers. So why not us? And before I even go into our production and the formation of the company and all that, we were actually producing songs while we were at Jamis that were meant to be Steely and Cleavis songs. But for some reason, they ended up 
on the Jamis label. <laughs> Don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but but um, There With You was one of those rhythms. Yeah. We had told Jamis that, look, we're putting a song on his tape, a rhythm on his tape, yeah. and a song, because we also voiced Super Black. Yeah. You know? And um, But it is ours, but it ended up being released elsewhere. Cat Paw yeah. uh, was also our rhythm. Um, Lieutenant Stitchy, Big Broad Hips and Small Waist. Yeah. Then we also did um, a song with Ken Booth, Say You, a remake of Say You, which ended up on um, Donovan Germain's label. We asked him to put it out. We never had a label. Yeah. Never had a label. So in 1990, we um, formed Steel and Cleaver Productions Limited as a company and um, being guided by um, Lloyd Stanbury. Lloyd Stanbury represented us and um, eventually became our lawyer mm. and manager. Because as the sound got popular, we found interests coming from overseas. You know, foreign artists wanted to record us or wanted we to make rhythms for them or to produce them. But we never understood the long contracts. Or we found it quite... You know, difficult to read with all the legal jar jargons yeah. and all that. So we say, you know, best we get an attorney. And um, I don't remember now who really directed us to Lloyd Stanbury, but they said he was an entertainment attorney. Because it's a big difference um, when one just gets an attorney who is not versed in entertainment. It can be problematic. Yeah. You need to have that expertise. So we believe that we um, chose the right person to help set up the company with all the um, the stuff, the, 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 um, the, 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 what we wanted yeah. the company to do. And to also read through the contracts and explain it to us in layman terms. You know, of course, um, nothing was left um, up to him, but because um, we are still and cleaving, and that's a problem. Um, some artists and musicians can encounter. You don't just allow someone to read your contract and make the decision for you. So all the decisions we made were um, in consultation with Lloyd Stanbury, but we weighed everything and made the, the final decision as to what, what we wanted to do. You know, even for instance, recording Shabarang's album, um, the, the, the very first album, Grammy, the one that ever. Right, right, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, he decided that he wanted to record it in record it in the UK, which for us we never really thought that would be the best decision to go to a cold in, in winter. I think it might have been in winter, to record um, you know, music that needed heat. But then Steely and I just had a meeting and say, you know, it's in us, it's in the DNA, it's in the blood. We're yeah. taking that hot blood, the warmth of the tropics, the warmth of Jamaica, and the vibe and energy to the UK. And we turned the studio upside down. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, you know, songs like, um, well, Ting-a-ling-a-ling -a -ling and yeah. Trillalood were actually recorded in Jamaica.
Yeah. Those were recorded, but the, the, the follow-up album, not the first album, Draw yeah. Silver, um, Extra Naked yeah. is the album. We recorded about six tracks in the UK. Let me tell you something. Came out good, really good. You see Ting-A-Ling-A-Ling and then Trailer Load yeah. are two of the greatest dancehall recordings ever. Yes. Ting-A-Ling-A-Ling in terms of just the, the production value the sonic quality, the the, 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 the the mixing in terms of, you know, uh, a vibe, the the, 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 the the voicing, the mixing of the voice. It's just an incredible piece of work. I tell you, it was deliberate. We had a talk with Shaba before we ventured into that project. And we said, no, that you have the backing of a major. We're not, not watching the clock anymore to shortchange production. Mm. If it means that we spend off every cent that we got to do that project, we're going to do it and do it right. Because I remember Steely said, you are now competing with the greatest artists in the world. And you have the machinery of the major record companies to take it anywhere you want it to go. You know, just do your best, deliver your best. No shortchanging in delivery. And several points in that production, I remember Shaba cuss himself. I never heard a man cuss himself before. I say, what do me? What's it? That's it. Come again. You know, and that was the first dancehall artist we ever recorded. Five hours straight voicing, five hours to record each song. Most artists after an hour, the most, they would say, sure. No, man, that good man, just hold that producer. I said, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That's not it. No, you're competing with Michael Jackson. You're competing with the top of the tops. So let's do it. And we put that effort in the whole production from start to the mix mm -hmm. to getting the right vibe in the room because Steely was a genius with that. Artists sometimes come to you and you don't know what they might have been experiencing at home. Might have had a war with a girlfriend or something. And I've seen it. Artists come with an energy that is not befitting of the music they plan to make. We were into making happy sounding music, music with energy. Yeah. You know? And um, if the artist didn't have the right vibe on a particular day, still found ways to bring it out. I then tell some joke that you just had to laugh. If you are sad, you will come out of that mood, you know, yeah. and, and, and deliver the kind of energy that we want. You know, so all aspects of that production was just right on that day. All equipment working well. And I started experimenting with using my drum machine to multi-pitch which I, I believe I might have been the first to start yeah. doing that, where I took his voice and um, tingling, put it in the machine, which had yeah. very short sample time. Yeah. Multi-pitched it and got ting a 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 ting Yeah, yeah, yeah. And started using that, like on the Cherry O' Baby rhythm with the, yeah. with the a rock guitar. It's from the drum machine. Yeah. It's not a keyboard. Yeah. You know? And um, so I put my musical knowledge into programming drums. And a secret, I call it a secret, but um, I'm willing to share because I've heard sometimes some of the no generation musicians say we don't share things with them. 
Yeah, but one thing I recognize at Jamis is that despite being the drums being percussive, there's always an overtone or a harmonic element that sticks out where if you know how to tune properly, you can tune it in the key of the song. Mm -hmm. And all of my drums were tuned to the key of the song. Mm -hmm. You have to have that knowledge yeah. to, to hear it and they are the gift yeah. to hear yeah. that note that is the dominant note from the snare drum or the kick drum or whatever. And when I put all of that together, <laughs> along with Steely, the music sounded like a packaged thing yeah, that's meant to be together yeah. as one package. You know, but not disjointed. As I said, like you have musicians who would make a track and they want to show their musical ability. And that's not what you always need. That's not what you need at all. Yeah. Groove is more important than anything else. You know, the things that if it's dance music, the elements that will make a dancer or their audience dance without any distractive thing to take them off on a tangent. You need to focus, you know, so um, that's key that you deliver what is needed in a song and not what you as the musician want to put. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you.